0: All right, Father God, we just thank you for this time this morning. God, we just ask that your word would speak to us. Um, Cut right into our spirit, man, this morning. God, we want to hear from you. God, we know that Holy Spirit, um, you'll point all of us right to Jesus. God, we thank you for that this morning. God, we honor this time in your word this morning. Speak to us. In your name we pray, Amen and Amen. Awesome. How many of you were here last week when the Bruce family was here? Isn't that so good? Wow, I just got tears watching that. And uh, on the screen, I was, I was watching it after the fact. Um, Deanne and I were out of town last weekend, the family, but man, what a beautiful, beautiful family. Um, Holy Spirit just uses them to light fires wherever they go. They are fire starters. Um, And I love that family. I was arranging to go uh, meet with uh, Chris for coffee this week. And you know, when you have a family that's, that's that big if they go anywhere together, it's like three cars to take a trip. And so he said, you know, probably the easiest thing is if you would just meet me in Keystone because that's where the boys are working in that day. And and so that's where the car is gonna be. And so that's where I'm gonna be. (laughs) So, um, But anyways, love those guys. I'm so glad that we got to connect with them again. It's good to see Debbie in the house. Good to see you. So if you don't, if you didn't know, and you just arrived um, this morning, we're journeying through the book of Acts in this series that we're calling Powerful, and the idea, so everybody's on the same page, is that all of us will move from a powerless life to a powerful life. So that's the hope. So whatever it is that you're feeling, you know, I don't have the energy or the power or the resources to do X, Y, and Z, or to become whatever it is that you want to become, or even what, you know, you feel Holy Spirit is leading you into, the hope is that somewhere along the way that you realize that there is a power supply that is available for you in life to be all that God created you to be. And God hopes that your life will not be powerless, but that your life will be powerful. And I think that when we, when we say that, somebody's always looking at the guy next to them, right? He's looking at the guy sitting next to you or the person in the row in front. But, but I want God to give us that sense that we can all receive that hope today uh, for, for whatever it is that you're facing and whatever that is that God is committed to giving us the resources that we need to become everything that he wants us to become. And I get an amen. <laughs> so in our opening weekend, we talked about how Holy Spirit's power um, connects to purpose. And so I want to just back up just a little bit in case you missed it, and we might do this for the, the next few weeks until everybody kind of gets on board or, or, or gets sick of it, one or the other. But I'd love for us to just kind of recap. The overarching themes that we 're talking about in Acts, and I put it on your notes if you 're following along in your notes um, and just to see as we see in acts we 're using this word picture for this, and that is a flaming arrow right and so we've we've had this with us for this series and you know what we 're saying is that when what we see in acts as a spirit arrives in the mission of the gospel and as it goes forward is that it looks like this flaming arrow, and you know I can't set it on fire this morning, that would get me in trouble. But so just imagine in your mind's eye, some flames on this thing, some tar and some some flames going, okay? And you say, so what's the arrow? Well, the arrow is the church. So this is you and me, the shaft is the church, um, sent to the four corners of the world, right? He's sending us out. And the tip of the arrow is the authority of Jesus. In other words, we move in life by the name and the power of Jesus. And we love his name. We said that this morning. We love his name. That's what's in our mouths. We love to proclaim his gospel. We love to proclaim the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ who came as our rescue. That's the gospel. And so we are the shaft of the arrow being led by that point, being led by Jesus who's our Savior and our Lord. The point is the authority of Jesus. The tip is the gospel of Jesus. And then these feathers on the back, they're called the fletching, is the word of God stabilizing our flight, giving us um, direction. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit lights this thing on fire then. And so it's not just an arrow that's moving through the world, but it's this flaming arrow that's moving um, through. And this Holy Spirit lights us on fire and he pulls back the bow and shoots us off into the place. That's the spirit of God. So where you and I could do something Holy Spirit can do way more, and he can, he can shoot us out to any place, and he can, he can launch us to the four corners of the city and to the ends of the earth, and so the idea being that when we land and when the church lands, that when you land and when I land, a wildfire, poof, that we would be fire starters wherever A wildfire of the gospel begins to spread wherever we are. So we have these four overarching ideas and I just wanna highlight them again. The first one is this. In Acts, we see the authority of Jesus. And so all through the book of Acts, we're gonna see this idea that Jesus is Lord. It's not a very common idea so much anymore. Not only is Jesus my savior or Jesus is my hope or Jesus is my life or he's my rescue, but he's also the Lord of all. So we're gonna see That again today, and we're going to see it in all the pages of the book of Acts. The second thing that we see is the big overarching idea is that we have an assignment. Um, you have an assignment, so you have a job, and you have a family, you have a responsibility, maybe you're a student, um, and you attend class, and you have all of those things, but we also have this overarching assignment, and it is that we would carry the name of Jesus to the world. But we can't do that in our strength and in our power, and so we have assistance also. And the assistance that we have is Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in in us to equip us and enable us to fulfill the assignment that God has given us. And then lastly this overarching idea um, is that we're gonna land here in just a few moments is assimilation. And assimilation is simply means the gospel is powerful enough to bring all of us from all the different walks of life together as a family called the church. And so we've said that there are also two potential cul-de-sacs that every church faces. We at Destiny Foursquare Church are not exempt and you're not exempt individually. But Acts is gonna to try to blow through these cul-de-sacs in our lives and lead us forward, and not into these you know, continuously looping circles. The first cul-de-sac is simply this, that we try to do what God has asked us to do in our own strength that we would try to do it in our own strength. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and watch the message from part two, if you missed it, because honestly, like I really want you to do that, um, is just carve out some time and go sit with that message because I believe that this is a watershed moment for the church. I I, I believe, I I know it's a watershed moment for our church and I think it could be a watershed moment for your life. And it speaks to this idea that a God-sized mission can't be done And human-sized strength. And so that's the way that a lot of us honestly are living. Uh, And God is saying that a cul-de-sac, that's a a cul-de-sac that a lot of people fall into. I'm just gonna keep on doing this thing in my own strength. Um, And we we hear from God and we understand who God is, but then we try to run too fast and do what God has asked us to do in our own strength. And so um, let's not do that, let's push past that. That's what Acts is telling us to do. The second potential cul-de-sac is that we will keep it all to ourselves. Um, you know, not say the name of Jesus like, like Bill was sharing this morning. But the arrow, that's what the arrow is for, right? The Holy Spirit lights us on fire and he pulls the bow back. The arrow is gonna keep reminding us that this is not a campfire thing. It's not a sit in the backyard campfire, you know, get around the camp. It's a flaming arrow thing. And so we talked about last time about whether or not we're more excited that Holy Spirit has come, or are we equally as excited that the gospel now and the power of Holy Spirit can go. And as we're launched off, it'll set other places ablaze, not just a backyard campfire. And we wanna be on both sides of that equation. So lastly, we talked about some outcomes that I'll touch on very briefly and uh, what we would hope for at the end of this series. And again, I just wanna say, we're not looking for more information. That's not what this series is about. We're looking for heart transformation, amen? Um, One outcome would be that we would all go. That we would all go, that we would all get on board with the mission of Acts and write ourselves in by obedience and by surrender into the story. So it wouldn't just be that they went and spread the gospel, but that you would write yourself, your family into that story, that you went and shared the gospel. So one outcome is that all of us will go. And a sub outcome of that is that some of us will go far. And, and we are believing, and I'm believing, your pastors are believing that God is gonna catapult some of us so far you know, um, out into the world. So places that you don't even know, places that um, you haven't been before, cities you don't know. You're gonna be thinking about this for a long time in your life. And I love that. And we will support you and we will pray for you and maybe send some people along to walk alongside you at some point along the way. But the conversation will be, it was that you know, powerful series where Holy Spirit just opened up my eyes uh, to see that God has a calling for my family. And it, maybe it, it wasn't Rapid City. Maybe it wasn't Box Elder. Maybe it wasn't Somerset or Blackhawk or Piedmont, but it will be for some other place in the world. And that's a God thing. That's a, that's a Holy Spirit thing. And we didn't go uh, for a day or for a week, for a month, but we packed up and we went with our lives. We sold everything to take the story of Jesus to the world. That's gonna be some of our stories. The second potential outcome for us in this series would be that we would have confidence and courage in an unhinged world. Hmm. Does that sound relevant to today, (laughs) right? I pray that one day the church right here in America will realize that the spirit of God, Holy Spirit is what we need. Holy Spirit is what we need. We need to be marked by the confidence and the courage of the Spirit of God. These are the days that we need to look different and sound different and walk different and act different than everybody else in the world. And the third outcome is this, that we would be rooted and sent out. And so we're gonna land again today in this idea that God's purpose and plan for your life are not just to show up at church. (laughs) That's not it. It's not just to show up here. It's to be rooted in a church so that you can go and be sent out from a church. A church is not just about what we believe, but it is also what we do and how we live and how we walk out those doors and we live our lives, amen? And so we're kind of in the midst of all of that in chapter two. And I want, I want, if you just would lean in with me, if you will, as we look at Holy Spirit arriving and, what, and, and the gospel going. And so in the last message, when we were in this series, we talked about um, Holy Spirit arriving and who he is and, and how he came and what he did and the results of him coming and how that looks in our lives. But I, I want you to see some of the outcomes because Uh, Three things happen in this chapter. Holy Spirit arrives, the promised Holy Spirit of God arrives on the scene. Number one, it happens in four verses. The second thing that happens was immediately the gospel was preached. And so when Holy Spirit shows up, you can count on that happening. The story of Jesus is gonna be proclaimed when Holy Spirit is on the scene. So day one. Day one of the church, that's our, that's our title today, day one, moment one, instant one, the spirit of God falls on people and they immediately began under the power of Holy Spirit proclaiming the gospel in languages that they couldn't even speak up to that moment. Well, well, well why would God choose to do that? Why would he do that? Because there was Jews from all over the world. We, remember we showed, we, we showed this scene in this town for this festival around the Pentecost. And at that moment, God knew that we could reach the whole world in this one spot, in one moment by giving utterance to people in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we showed this map um, when we were uh, gathered together in this, this last time, and, and we were, where all the regions of the known world at the time were shown. This, this is the whole known world at the time. And so we get the power of Holy Spirit and amazing geography right here in Acts 2. So Holy Spirit arrives, the gospel is preached, number two. And then the third thing that happens is that the church is born. And so how does this all work in Acts? You want an overarching picture of what's happening right here? Holy Spirit comes, the gospel is proclaimed, and the church is born. So how would this work in your life and in my life? Well, I'll tell you, Holy Spirit comes, the gospel is announced, and the church is built because it's already born. So the church is being built. And so what would that look like in your neighborhood and in your business and in your life story? Okay. It's pretty simple. It would look like this. The Holy Spirit of God invades your life. And eventually Jesus is going to be proclaimed through your life then, because that's what Holy Spirit does. And when that happens, the church will continue to be built and it continues to advance because Holy Spirit is coming and the gospel is preached. And whenever, the gospel is preached, the church is born. And when the church is born, strengthened and built up and it grows, then that church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will do what? It will continue to proclaim the story of Jesus. That's how it works, so that the church will be built up even more, so then that church, under the authority of Jesus, can rise up into the assignment that it's been called to. It's been given, empowered by Holy Spirit, so that we can see more and more and more people come to life to join this beautiful family called the church. Do you see See that? Isn't that just a beautiful cycle? And so we, we, we talked in our last message about Holy Spirit coming. Now we look at the gospel being proclaimed. And so jumping into verse 14 is where we're gonna to start today on chapter two of Acts, when Holy Spirit arrives and people were perplexed and they started staring at this moment going, what is going on? Some people were heckling them. They were making fun. They were, they were seeing this scene. Other people, they were jeering and most people were just trying to figure out what was going on. There's all these people speaking in different languages. They're from a different country. They don't know this language what's what is going on and into this moment all of these people are hearing the gospel and the wonders of God proclaimed in their own languages and Peter stands up to speak and so this is this is where we're jumping in now and so before the gospel we get the the explanation and I want you to see that in verse 14 Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and he shouted to the crowd Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Now, that's an important little footnote as we jump in today for this message because the audience of this message was the Jewish people, okay? So this message was intended for someone with a Jewish mindset who knew the promise uh, of God and and had followed the prophets and heard the story of God's hope for the world. And and now here they are seeing this incredible outpouring of Holy Spirit right before their eyes. And and he says, listen carefully. He says, listen carefully, my fellow Jews the residents of Jerusalem. You You need to clearly understand what's happening here. Now that's a big setup for whatever's coming next, right? He says, these people are not drunk like you think they are. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, and now he's, just, he's quoting the prophet Joel from, from hundreds of years before. And he says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all of my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome Appearance of the day of the Lord. Now that sounds like a prophet, right? The, the prophet is always going to say, hey, it's not all about what's happening today. It's not all about what's happening right now in this moment. It's not all about how we feel about the way we want to live in this moment. There is a moment coming though. And, and Joel calls it this great and glorious day of the Lord, the greatness of God and the glory of God. in that day are more over, overwhelming than anything we've ever seen or imagined in our lives. And so the prophet leads us to the brink of the arrival, you know, of Jesus. And I, I love this thought today, especially in these moments that we're in, in our nation, because ultimately peace will come when Jesus comes and we carry him with us, right? And so we're going to be put uh, back together when Jesus comes and life's going to be the way it's supposed to be when Jesus um, kind of returns on the, to the planet. So we're, we're working for justice on earth with him, cooperating with him in the, in the meanwhile. We're seeking to be peacemakers on earth, but we are also looking for a day when our king is coming and when our king creates a new heaven and a new earth and puts things the way that God intended them to be. And a lot of us, what we feel in these days is a longing for our savior to arrive, for that you know, great and coming day of the Lord, where where, where all injustices are going to be righted and and where uh, what God has purposed and planned for all humanity will come to pass before our eyes. But in given that moment, Joel caps this message and this is what he says. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's what's interesting about this little section. Many people just, we, 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 we kind of wanna drift away from Holy Spirit or maybe even try to ignore him and, or, they, or they wanna focus on the part of this explanation and say, well, in the last days, you know, sons and daughters are gonna prophesy, I can't wait for that. But, but it's good to understand and look at the whole context of Acts, which is authority and assignment and assistance and assimilation, right? So Joel gives this all to us in this one bite the sons and daughters will prophesy. That's exciting, right? The young and the old are gonna be part of what God is doing. And so the male and female are gonna be a part of what God is doing. And, And the spirit of God will come on all people of God and empower, Every single one. And so Holy Spirit will invade all the people and immerse all the people in kingdom power and in kingdom authority. Holy Spirit will come and change us from who we normally are to who God knows we can be. And and so this is the promise of of the prophet Joel, but why? To take us to this time of this great and glorious day of the Lord so that we can proclaim a story by which in that day, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is gonna be saved. And so Holy Spirit hasn't arrived just so we can walk around exercising the gift of prophecy. That's not it. Holy Spirit has come so that we can proclaim boldly the story of Jesus to the world. It's lifting up Jesus' name. It's an important name so that that when the great and the glorious day of the Lord arrives, we'll be part of a company of people who have called on the name of the Lord. So you, you get all acts in the explanation, but then Peter says, now I'd like to give you a bigger message. And so here comes part two of chapter two. We have Holy Spirit's arrival, and now we have the gospel preached. And so verse 22 says, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Now, he's already said, listen, and let me explain this. He says, listen carefully. And again, he says, listen to the facts. Jesus the victorious was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet... Whenever there's a transition word like that in the scripture, get ready because it's about, to, it's about to become the story of the gospel, right? So yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up because it was impossible for death's power to hold him prisoner. So what a great gospel, amen? It, it, it was the first time that all these people had ever heard it. And so can you imagine how amazing that is? These people have listened to the prophets. They know the law. They know what's supposed to come. They have this history of waiting for the Messiah. And now in this kind of catalytic moment, Holy Spirit arrives and people start talking to them in their own language, which they don't understand how in the world is this even possible. But then Peter stands up and he addresses the whole crowd and he says, let me explain what just happened here in Jerusalem just a few days ago. And what he explains is pretty powerful because in this message, we're gonna see a few things highlighted. Here's, here's the first thing that I wanna um, just highlight this morning. The first one is that Jesus is God's man for God's purpose at God's time. Okay, see, these Jews knew who Jesus was. They, they knew about him feeding the 5,000. They heard the miracles. They heard about the crucifixion. They just didn't know what it meant. And so they didn't know if he was the Messiah. And if he was the Messiah, why did he end up dead? Right? There's all these questions. And Peter stands in their midst and he says, Jesus isn't just somebody, he's not just a prophet, but he's God's man for God's time and for God's purposes. And he also highlights the sovereign power of God over all things. This is just, this is one of the most influential and beautiful passages about sovereignty in all of scripture, I think. Under the sovereign plan of God. Look at the two things that happened in verse 23. Jesus was handed over to them by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, it says. And so he's highlighting this this plan that God has through all of history. And it kind of comes to this point, right? Now, remember the audience. These, These were Jews who killed Jesus. Well, you're like, well, Romans did the crucifying. Well, sure, but but they they, they did all of this from the instigation of the Jewish religious leaders of the day. And so when you gather a group of Jews at this moment, you're talking to the people whose leaders and authorities, they carried out the crucifixion of Jesus. And Peter says, this man's destiny was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you. He's saying that God is in control but then he says, you know, but you were involved. God handed him over to you, but you, with the help of wicked men, put Jesus to death by kneeling him to a cross. So God was in control, but their choices played into it. And then he says, ultimately though, here's the victory. And he starts talking about authority. That's one of our arcs for this book. And he says, God destroyed the cords of death. I love that. He destroyed the cords of death, and raised him up because it was impossible. Can we just highlight that? It was what? Impossible. What was it impossible for? For death's power to hold him prisoner. It was impossible. Death had a hold on him. But death couldn't keep its hold on him. (laughs) And so, see, it wasn't that he was exempt from death. Death had a grip on Jesus, but death couldn't keep its grip on Jesus. And so, in the power of God begins to pry off that grip of death when he came up and and, uh, called up Jesus and raised him up from the dead. So, Jesus is God's man for God's purpose in God's time. But the second theme of this message is that the resurrection is the proof of Jesus' authority. So we lean into his authority again, and we we go. So we can go into this little sidebar, if you will, of David, and Peter brings David into his message, and that's good preaching because he's preaching to the Jewish people, and Jewish people don't want to know necessarily something new that has happened but they want to know something that's old and promised um, has happened. And so he reaches back and he goes to Psalm uh, chapter 16. And this is what he says. He's quoting Psalm 16. He says, this is the very thing that David prophesied about him. I continually see the Lord in front of me. So now he's saying how Jesus saw it at the end of the day, because, you know, he's at my right hand, it says, and I am never shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with his praises. And I have hope that my, body will live because you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor will you allow your sacred one to experience decay. Now, Jesus did in fact die, but he did not decay. (laughs) That's what the tomb was for in that day. The tomb was temporary. And and when you died, they would put you in the tomb until you would decay. And then they came back and they would collect your bones and then they would put them in a small box and bury them in a smaller place. Um, But the thing is, you know, so the tomb was a place to decay. And so they, they put Jesus in the tomb to do that. But Jesus got out of the tomb before the decay happened because, you know, it was promised through the psalmist hundreds of years ago, your sacred one is not gonna experience decay. And so all of this is weaving together in the mind of a Jewish listener. They know Psalm 16, they've read it before. And he says, for you have revealed to me the pathways to life and seeing your face fills me with euphoria. And so then he clarifies, so what did David mean? He says, my fellow Jews, I can tell you that there is no doubt that our noted patriarch has both died and he's been buried in the tomb, which remains to this day. So David did in fact um, undergo decay. Right? So you can see that he was not referring to himself with these words, but as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with God's unbreakable oath that one of his descendants would take his throne. So when peering into the future, David prophesied of Messiah's resurrection and God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. Can't you see it? God has rescued, uh, resurrected Jesus and we all have seen him. Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of the highest honor and the father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out. That's what you're seeing right now, being poured out upon us today. This is what you are seeing, and this is what you are hearing. So Peter's linking the resurrection of Jesus to the releasing of Holy Spirit. At Jesus ascended, Holy Spirit descended. Jesus is rising in authority, and Holy Spirit is rising in power to assist us in our assignment. And then he says this, verse 34. David wasn't the one who ascended into heaven, but the one who prophesied. Yahweh said to my Lord, I honor you by enthroning you beside me until I make your enemies a footstool beneath your feet. So again, Peter's saying, Jesus now is sitting in the place where the enemies of God will be made a footstool to our Lord. So then he concludes with this big finish. And he says, now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus whom you crucified is the one God has made both Lord Lord and Messiah. Man, what a finish to a message right there. Let all of Israel be assured of this. Don't mistake this. We've got Jews from all over the known world that are right here in this audience right now. Let everybody be clear on this. This Jesus, whom you crucified, by the way, that God made him both Lord and Christ. So we see this man, Jesus, as God's man for God's purpose and God's time. We know the resurrection from the dead as proof of the authority of Jesus, but Peter's setting that all up. But then we also see Jesus as both Savior and Lord. He's Lord and Christ. Lord meaning owner and master, and Christ meaning the Messiah. And so we wanna just take you know, half of that equation a lot of the times, and we want the Christ side or the Messiah side or the Savior side. But Peter said, no, make no mistake, all of you, God made Jesus master of us all and owner of all and Savior of all, all of it. And so the end of the message for you and me today is a dual response to Jesus. It's not just simply, do I want forgiveness and grace in my life. It's Do you recognize that Jesus is the one who who was foretold from centuries before that he would be dead and that he would be be raised, uh, buried and and resurrected, he would not undergo decay, Um, and that Jesus is alive today. And he's raised from the dead by the power of God and he's ruling and he is reigning and he is making all of his enemies a footstool to him. And so he's not negotiating simply a forgiveness deal that's, that's not the total, totality of the story. He's offering a dual agreement today. I want to be both Lord of your life and Christ in your life. And, and if you split Lord and Christ, if you separate those two, you take away the power of Holy Spirit. Because if you say, well, I love Jesus as Savior, and I love him as sin forgiver, and I love Jesus as the shame eraser, I love Jesus as the guilt destroyer, I love all of that, and I need all of that, but you don't onboard Jesus as the pilot, and you don't onboard him as a master, and owner, and leader, and Lord, you push away the power. Because the power comes with the purpose. And so you don't go down and just pick the menu items that fit your particular taste on a given day. Peter Peter ends and says, so Jesus, the same one that you crucified, Jews, the same one that you put to death. Well, guess what? God made him Lord and Christ. It says when they heard this, when when the audience heard this, they were crushed. And another translation says their hearts were pierced. Why? Was it a moving speech? Uh, you know, why? Was it, was it because it was excellent information? Why? Because it was true. It was true. I believe their hearts were pierced because Peter was full of the Holy Spirit of God. He was empowered by Holy Spirit, and he proclaimed the truth of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he did, it was like a dagger going into the hearts of the people. And we count on that. We count on that right here, in this place, this morning, every time we gather, it's not about, well, someone, you know, went to seminary and, you know, someone's an okay speaker and someone who can, uh, took some preaching classes. I got C in preaching class, by the way, just in case you ever wanted to know that. Um, Somebody, somebody who knows enough about scripture to organize it in a way that we can understand, Um, somebody that will come and try to wrap some stories around it to make it relatable and tangible somehow, so there's going to be something visual, you know, that we can all understand. And when we do that, man, people's lives are gonna be blown up by the power of God. No, we come knowing that God's word is truth, but it's Holy Spirit's breath on a page of truth that makes it alive in us, it empowers us. And so it's the gospel. And the gospel says, what is the spirit-empowered proclamation of the gospel that can take the voice of one person and (laughs) translate it into thousands of people's stories? That's what Holy Spirit does. It's the power of the gospel to rise up and then the work of the spirit to land on somebody in row 10, you know, chair six and to speak specifically and directly to your spirit and to your story and to empower you in that moment to go forward with the gifts and the abilities that he's given you. And so all of a sudden it seems like time stops and only Holy Spirit can do this and everybody else is kind of out of the equation and you're the only person in the room. It's just you and him and God has come and God has landed. And there might be 3,000 people that are listening with you uh, or 30 people and God is speaking and God is opening your eyes and opening your ears and opening your understanding and, and the revelation is happening from Holy Spirit directly to you. And it's like, I'm getting it, I'm seeing it, I'm understanding it, it makes sense to me and I've gotta turn and I've gotta change and I've gotta make a decision, I've gotta regroup and I've gotta start over and I've gotta bow down. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, not just simply the result of preaching and teaching. That's what Holy Spirit does. And so we come into this house and you better believe we're praying every single weekend for the power of Holy Spirit to ignite the truth of the gospel And so believing every single time that we gather that at some point a knife is gonna go into our hearts. And you say, oh man, that's not really why we came to church, Sean. Maybe you're sitting there and thinking, you know, this is awesome, but we're not really coming every time going, man, I can't wait until just God sticks a knife into my heart today. (laughs) That's gonna be awesome. Come on, kids, let's get dressed and ready for the weekend and get ready to go and get stabbed. (laughs) Why do we come? Because every one of us in this room has a heart condition and God is a master surgeon. That's, why, that's where it's at. And he cuts right through the you know what. <laughs> and he cuts right into our hearts. And, and he says, if you want life, and I know you do deep down, you're gonna have to allow me to cut away what is death so that I can birth what life is in you. And so that's the work of the same Holy Spirit that was landing on these people. In this story right here, when the people heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. This Greek verb indicates the most profound sorrow and emotional agitation. It was taken from the root word that means mortally wounded. And it's found only here in the New Testament. Deeply moved, deeply moved, They said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? That's a version of what we hear today. What do I do? I just showed up at church and this bomb just kind of went off in my heart. And so what do I do? Whenever the gospel lands and the word of God lands empowered by the spirit of God, that's the question. There's a question that rings in the heart of the people. And the question is, what do I do now? There's a response. It's not, oh, that was nice, or that was good, or I like that, or I'm gonna tweet that, or I took some notes on that. Now, all that's good, but at the end of it all, there's a question hanging in the balance for all of us going, wow, you know, God has just spoken. And when God speaks, he's Lord, he's master, and he's Christ, so what do I do? What do I do in response to that? And Peter had an answer empowered by Holy Spirit. And he said, I'll tell you what you do. He says, repent and return to God. Now that word translated repent there is metanoia. And Pastor Patricia has taught us about this in the, in the last year. A better way to say that is, is turning and responding to God's love. But I love the boldness of this. This, you know, this Jesus, whom you crucified, he's Lord in Christ. What do you do? Every one of you. Every one of you should turn and respond to his love. Now, don't you, just, don't you just love that? I mean, wouldn't you just love it we got into that zone here a little more often? You know, I'm, I'm talking every single one of you is gonna turn to Jesus today. We're gonna start over here. And we're gonna stay here until every single one of you turns to God and is baptized. And our gathering, you know, should not just be simply agreeing and not simply just a meeting and not merely believing, but each one of us turning our face to God and responding to his love. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord and he's Christ. So you don't just accept Lord and Christ, but you turn your whole life towards him. What does that mean? It means you turn and you just say, you know what? This thing that I've been trying to do in my own strength and my own power, this is not working for me. This is an idol. This is, this, that, that was me doing that. And that, before God, I'm just telling you that, that, I'm sorry, God, that was foolishness. This is bringing death. This is killing me. That's opposite of you. So I'm gonna turn away from all of that. And I'm gonna turn my face to you. And I wanna be baptized right here and right now. And what does that mean? I, 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 it means I wanna say right now, the old, that's gone. And the new has come and I see it and I get it and I believe it, Holy Spirit has revealed it to me and I'm yielding to the Lord and the Savior of my life. So I just wanna to say today, this is just a little sidebar, but turn your life towards Jesus. <laughs> All of you and me too. And, and, if, and if you haven't been baptized and, and you know uh, Jesus uh, has signed up to be baptized, Sign up, don't let this stand in the way of your obedience because again, it's it's not a la carte here. It's not, well, you know what? You know, I never was baptized, you know, but I, I followed Jesus a long time ago and I don't know about the whole thing and I, you know, feel nervous about it and I really don't have the time to do that right now and I've got, you know, I've got a good relationship with God. And so, you know, bab, bab, water baptism isn't, isn't a means to salvation. That's not what I'm saying, but this is just an obedience. He's, he's saying, he's saying let's, go, let's do this. God gives us the terms of how we respond to him. And so turn away, this is what, what Peter is saying, turn away from whatever it is that you're clinging to and, and to provide you with hope and salvation and turn to God and be baptized so that you can declare to the world right away, the old is gone and the new has come. And so when you come to God, and when you're baptized, and when you take those steps of obedience, here's what's going to happen to all of you in that moment. He says, you're going to get the forgiveness of your sins, and you're going to receive the gift of Holy Spirit. I love water baptism. There's something that happens, and Holy Spirit just kind of arrives on the scene, and and, and it's, it's just a beautiful thing and a beautiful moment. The old is gone. The new has come. And so you're like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm really feeling and operating in the power of Holy Spirit. I don't know if I've experienced that in my life. Well, Here's the question then, have you turned your life towards Jesus? Have you turned towards your life towards the love of the Father? Well, I've, I've never really felt Holy Spirit. Like, you know, I know he's in my life, but I, I, I just haven't sensed that. Well, have you been water baptized? That would be the second thing I would ask you. Have you, I, no, I never, I never did that. I never never made that step. Well, if, if we can't obey God and I can't obey God in step one, how are we gonna ask Holy Spirit to, to come in and give us supernatural power 45 steps down the road? So again, it's not a la carte, it's Peter's just telling them straight up front, hey, if you feel cut to the heart with this, what you're hearing today, let me tell you how it's gonna work. You turn your life towards God and you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And with that, you're gonna receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is you're gonna proclaim and you're gonna join this thing that you see happening right here, this movement that is being birthed, which is Holy Spirit arriving, empowering people to proclaim Jesus to the world. And in verse 40, he warns them and he pleads with them, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of the world. So what happens next? Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. And I'm thinking what you're thinking. You know, what would that look like if God moved in such power that every person in this gathering was cut to the heart and turned their lives toward God, and I mean, boom, you're right here. And people who weren't baptized said, I wanna be baptized, and just so you know, Pastor Lyle and I, we're, we're gonna be doing the water baptisms at uh, Hills Alive, uh, the music festival in July, so you can sign up and you can, you can get dunked right out there in the hot sun right before you go to a rock concert. And so, you know, no. Some of you are going to be like, I need to be baptized right now. That's what they were saying. I need to be baptized right now. I need to say the world right now that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I want to know forgiveness, and I want to know the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what was happening in this scene. And not just a few people turned their lives to Jesus, but hundreds Thousand, three thousand people. I'm turning and I'm changing in the Spirit of God. The presence of God was so thick, and then hundreds of people are turning. Now, can you just imagine the scene? This is this is what we're all hoping and praying for, and this is the hour. And and the outcome of Acts is that Holy Spirit arrives. The gospel is preached, and when the gospel is preached, two things always happen: conversion happens when the gospel is preached. It always happens when the gospel is preached, and community immediately happens when the gospel is preached. So again. It's not a la carte. It's, you, don't, you don't get saved and say, you know well, I got saved and then you go your own way and you, and you get saved and then you, you, you assimilate into a community of the family of God. And that's what he describes here as we continue on in verse 42. Now this is, remember this, this is being written decades past the resurrection of Jesus. Luke is writing this as an account of what happened in those days to his friend, Theophilus. And so he's looking back and he said, they devoted themselves, this 3,000. First, we had 120 in the first chapter, if you remember going back there. And now we're up to 3,120 on day one of the church. Thank you very much, right? Megachurch, boom, day one, 3,120 people on the first day. We had 3,000 people saved today. I'd better take a pic and post that to Instagram, right? The very first day that we met, the gospel was proclaimed in Holy Spirit power, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus and got baptized. So we've got people going off. Can you just imagine the scene? To every pool and puddle in Jerusalem getting baptized. We've got a mass baptism happening all over the city because they didn't have a baptism right there when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. So they're finding every water everywhere they can. Every believer, it says, was faithfully devoted, verse 42, to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers, can we just say that together? All the believers, can we say that again? One, two, three, all the believers. Can we just repeat it one more time? All the believers were in fellowship as one body. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. Why? Because when the gospel is preached, conversion happens and community is birthed. So they were all together. And this is how you have 3,000 people get saved on day one and and you make it because everyone weaves their lives together. How could they meet, this is is how a a pastor is thinking in this time, in this culture, how could they meet all the needs of these 3,000 people? How did they follow up You know, we we talk about follow-up. How do you follow up with 3,000 people? I mean, what kind of follow-up did they have? Did they have a discipleship program? Did they get them in small groups? Did they they disciple any of them? Did they raise them up? What kind of materials did they have? And, you know, what was the process and how did they do that? On day one, I saw the 3,000 people, but (laughs) did they really all get saved? What happened? What happened to all the people was that they wove their lives together and life by life, together, they all started following Jesus. And that's still the plan today. Still the plan, even on this day, all the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute uh, the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praise to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life this is so beautiful daily there were those who were being saved this is our so this is our picture this is why we, you know, we host connect groups at Destiny and building relationships and community because it's so easy to just get lost when you're sitting in a row, but you can't do that when you're in a circle. So great, some of you, some of you are uh, strategically prayer walking your neighborhood and you're loving your neighbors. Great, some of you, you know, help serve in our Next Gen Ministries every week, building relationships, you know, and raising up the next generation. Great, our men's group is gathering for all sorts of different things and different times great. We've got the ladies hiking group that is launching on Monday. Great. Oh, it's All a la carte to you and me, connect groups, I might go to that, uh, you know, but we're not really around this week or I'm a little busy, my schedule's, oh, 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 the church is journeying through Acts this summer? Well, great, well, maybe I'll be at a couple of those for sure, and what God is trying to show us is that when the gospel blows up in our hearts and is proclaimed to people, the Acts result is that conversion happens and community is formed, day one, day one. Power, proclamation, salvation. That's the church, day one. Power comes, proclamation happens, salvation happens. The church isn't an afterthought. We aren't an after, we aren't a footnote in the story. The church isn't the invention of man. The church isn't something that people decided to do or an institution that man invented. On day one, Holy Spirit said, I want a church for my Lord Jesus. Day one, Holy Spirit says, I'm here to exalt Jesus, and he's here to build a church. And we're here to give glory to God. And then, you know, it's this mystery that happens. We are God, we're three gods in one, but here's how it works in our economy. I, Holy Spirit, I lift up Jesus through people to point the world to him. I, the Holy Spirit, empower the church to lift up Jesus. And Jesus lives the life in and through people to bring glory to our father. And all of us work together to lift up the one true God. And from that day, that it all began. Bob, you can come on up. From the very first moment, it was Holy Spirit empowering People to proclaim the story so that people can be baptized in Jesus' name, so that the church can be born and knitted together and woven together, all of them together, sharing everything in common in the temple courts, worshiping God in homes, breaking bread, praising God, selling their possessions when when they knew there was a need that arose in the life of somebody else. They didn't say to the church, hey, go and meet their needs. You know what they said? They said, the Richardsons are having a struggle right now, but don't worry because our our connect group, we've got, it, we've got it together and eight other families know what's going on and we took care of it on day one because this is what the church does. We lean in together. Our wa- lives are woven in together and we do life together and we commit together and we prioritize together the building up of the body of Christ. And it sounds, if that sounds pastoral, <laughs> it is because everybody's got a reason for why we can't lean in more. But what Holy Spirit does in our lives is he gives us an overwhelming and an all-consuming connection. And the things that fall off the edges of our lives are not church. It's not the community of the church. It's other stuff. So you're saying we're just supposed to band together and meet together and pray together every day and every night, connect group every night, Bible study every night, discipleship every night, come to church and worship every night. No, I'm not. They had favor, it says with all the people. So they were influencers in the community that they lived and they were tight in the community that they lived. And I believe that there, there was both of these things that were happening because they were connected deep to the church, they were sent out to the world. So you don't have significant influence without having a home base to be rooted in and sent from. And so if you're rooted in, what's gonna happen naturally is you're gonna be sent from. And as we come together and we form the tight-knit community, guess what, that's not gonna gather us around a campfire, but it's gonna launch us, the Holy Spirit bow, to be a light and a flame wherever we go. In our city, in our neighborhoods, and to the ends of the earth, Father God, we thank you for your holy flame. We thank you for the fire in our lives that's bigger and more hot than anything that we could do, more powerful than anything that we could do in our own strength. And God, you don't—you don't put any pressure on us. God, we turn to you because you are love and you are kind and you are a good God. That's why we turn. We turn our lives to you because you've rescued us, you've saved us, you've given us abundant life. And so God, our prayer is just this morning as we sit and review Peter's message to the the Jews of that day and the day of Pentecost is to just give us, light us on fire, send us out. We don't wanna be campfire Christians but we want to be the flaming bow and arrow that's launched into all the places that you have for us. their kingdom assignments above and beyond what we even know. Maybe even places that we haven't been yet. God, we thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit empowerment. It's your power, your strength. God, we lean into that today. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Pastor Derek.
1: All right. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean. So... Uh, I love this story. I love this this space in Acts two um, because the world changed so much. We don't even really understand. See, before, I think we've talked about this before, but um, before Acts 2, Holy Spirit really only worked with one person at a time, maybe a, a small group at a time. But like, if you read in Judges, the Spirit of God came down on the judge for a moment, like Samson. Samson wasn't strong all the time. It says he was strong when Holy Spirit came down and gave him power. And then he was a normal guy other times. And so Holy Spirit would do this. And he would just kind of work on a person at a time, But but Jesus said, hey, it's better for you that I leave Because then Holy Spirit's going to come and stay. And so when Holy Spirit came from that moment on, we're all constantly in communication, or not not in communication, but we're all constantly being affected by Holy Spirit's presence. Whether we're saved or not, Holy Spirit is in the world. He's he's, he's everywhere. And, you know... uh, um, I forgot to write it down. Uh, But the the Bible says that we don't come to salvation. We don't meet Jesus unless God draws us to him. And it's Holy Spirit that does that work. It's Holy Spirit that does that drawing. So we've all been interacting with God, whether we know it or not. And it's an incredible privilege to get to live in this world. None of that is what I wrote down. Some of that is what I wrote down. So since Holy Spirit is always here and he's always drawing, he's always speaking, everybody is being drawn to something all the time, right? Uh, If you don't believe it, fine, figure it out for yourself. But I can tell you that Holy Spirit is always speaking and he's always drawing us to something. For the unsaved, he's probably drawing them to Jesus like Pastor Sean was talking about, right? Uh, For those of us that are saved, he's he's drawing us to better choices, to a better life, to minister, to love, to take care of the world around us. Sometimes he's drawing us back to Jesus and Jesus is saying, hey, love God, love people around you, right? So we've got this, this constant communication and this constant drawing and this constant pull in our lives to become something Right, The constant renewal of our mind, the constant changing of who we are on the inside. Now, if you're listening to this today, Holy Spirit is calling you to do something. Guaranteed. He's drawing you to something today. And I'm willing to bet you know what that is. There's something that you've, you've felt on the inside, like, I think I need to do this, I think I wanna do this, but I don't know if that's real, I don't know if it's me, I don't know there right And so for some of you that might be maybe you're standing on the outside of christianity and you wouldn't consider yourself to be a follower of christ but you're listening to this and you're like man i want to be one of those kind of people that we just read about from the early church i want to be like them i want to i want to be connected with this god who who doesn't just uh stand up uh, in heaven and, and watch whatever happens but is is interacting with his people Holy Spirit's drawing you to Jesus this morning. Uh, but maybe, you're, maybe you're, you, you've been with Jesus and you've kind of uh, maybe started doing your own thing and Holy Spirit's saying, hey, we've got some work to do. And whenever you're ready, he's drawing you, right? Regardless of where you fall in that uh, in this story today, wherever you are on the path, on the journey that God has you on, I would invite you to pray this after me as a way to put words to the process. We feel like something's going on, but we don't know what it is. We feel like God's drawing us to something, but we don't know how to interact. We don't know how to respond. Um, I just want to give you some words to kind of help out. So um, I would ask you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit, thank you for your guidance. Thank you for drawing me to Jesus. Thank you for not leaving me to my own devices. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for raising me to life with you. Please continue to draw me into what you have for me. I want to be a part of what you are doing in this world. Thank you again. Amen.